Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Primordial Chaos Radio. Uh, my name is Brother Beniti. My co-host Raven will be joining us shortly. Uh, we have a special guest this evening. We're going to get to that in a minute. Before we begin, just to give you information for when we get to the uh, calling portion of the show, uh, the calling number that people uh, that are also watching live on YouTube that's streaming there. Uh, I'll give this number again uh, as the show progresses. I'm going to put the number up there on the board. It's 561-962-1137. If you are calling in from TalkShoe when we get to that time to, to speak to our guests, it'll be 605-562-0444. It's going to ask for a pin which would be 134778-POUND. And then, it's, I'm sorry, that's the call ID, and then the pen is one and the number pound. I will give that information again uh, when we get to that uh, portion of the show. Um, I, I'm going to put in the call in number for YouTube in the board, so when we get to that time, uh, you'll be able to call in. All right, so let's just make sure we have everything set up here. Um, make sure we have... Everything up and running. All right. All right, let me see. Make sure we have Brother Bow Cabin. Bow, are you there? Do you hear me? Yes, we can hear you loud and clear. Perfect. Good evening. How are you doing this evening? I'm great. How are you? Thank you for having me on the show again. Oh, no, thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure to definitely get you here. And I know you're extremely busy. Um, yeah, if you could, pretty busy the past few months, yeah. Yes, and well, the book we're going to talk about. I mean, not just that book, but we're going to focus on your new book, which, in in my opinion, is incredible work. But before we do that, could you briefly? I know majority of my listeners are familiar with you, but uh, just in case we have some newer people tuning in, if you can just briefly introduce yourself, uh, you know, give a, give a little background about yourself to some of the newer listeners. Sure, I'd be glad to. Uh, well, I've been uh, a practitioner of the occult for about 30 years now, and uh, it all started from my Middle Eastern background. Uh, I was sent off to Israel uh, as a disobedient child <laughs> from, <laughs> from New York City, where I am right now. And uh, it was there, actually, that I had my first... I guess you could say, true connection to the occult uh, from just an experience that I had there. And I had no idea where it was going to go or what was going to happen. Right. And, you know, fast forward several years later, and I realized that this was sort of the path that I needed to take. And it, and it took on many different forms over the years. Right, And this is where I am now, and I realize, you know, this is something that I need to teach, something that I need to bring to the world, my perspective, my understanding. I speak Hebrew and, 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 and Aramaic, and I can read Greek and Latin and, and all these languages that I've learned over the years, and I feel that um, I can bring that as an asset to the health community, and that's that's pretty much where I am right now. And I'm very honored to be able to do that because it is a responsibility. 
it's a great responsibility, and I don't take it lightly, and I'm just honored to be able to do that right now. Right, right. And but I will say this, I know myself and, and my listeners, uh, one thing that's very uh, unique about your work, you, you have so much information, but you have a way of conveying it uh, that's not complicated. And I like the way you, you know, you put the rituals and the work in your books. Um, you make it very simple for people. Uh, you don't make it too complex. Now, this new book, um, but before we begin, uh, all Bows books, I know you have your website. If you can give your contact, your website, I know all your books are available on Amazon, uh, but I know you also have a website. If you can give that to the people too, I know they can go there and find your stuff. Yeah, they can go to baalkadmon.com and occultcourses.com. Uh, that's where I'm, where most of my my more intense sort of longer video courses will be. But baalkadmon.com is where everything is. But really, okay. in the end, Amazon is where everything is because Amazon is 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 the monster of this of this uh, of this new era. So that's where everything. That's is. That's right. That's right. Um, so what, what I want, what we want to kind of focus on tonight, and obviously we won't be able to get through all of this because it's a lot. Um, your newest work, um, which I've been putting out there, uh, Devils, Demons, and Ghosts in the Hebrew Tradition, Romance in the Citra Acre. Um, it's, a, it's a very long work. Um, I'm about halfway through. I know you sent me the digital. I actually went and got a hard copy. This is something I also have to have a hard copy of uh, because of some of the work that you have in there. But let's Let's start with the title. I have some sections planned out. If we can, if we browse with so anything you want to add, feel feel free, um, uh, Brother Bow. And in the second portion of the show, we'll we'll take some questions for you online, um, and then we'll take some calls for you. Um, well, let's start with this. What uh, what inspired you to put this together? Let's start there first. What was the inspiration behind this? Well, you know, I read you know countless occult titles over the years, obviously, as you can imagine, and I'm sure all of you have as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, I re- it's different for someone who can read those languages. When you read it from the perspective of, wait a minute, what is this actually saying? Because most of the translations, you know, they're in English, and, and you know, a lot of people don't, they cannot read the Hebrew or the Aramaic. And, I consider myself fortunate only because I grew up in a background that allowed me to do that. Because right. uh, my, you know, my father's side, they're, they're Middle Eastern. So when I was exposed to these, um, the English translations, and I, and I knew that there were Hebrew and Aramaic um, origins, I started reading them and I was like, wait a minute, that, that doesn't sound right. It, it doesn't sound like something that would be said in Hebrew or something that right. would be said in Aramaic. And I was like, well, let, let me do some research here and let me look at it. And then what I found was that the English translations are way off. And right. in addition, there are texts that haven't even been translated yet into English. And so I was like, well, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to bring the what I can bring to the occult community through the language uh, and to clarify everything 
And that's why I wrote it, I, because I'm, 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 I've been reading many things about the Sitra Haran, the Klipot, and all of these things. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait. There's, there's something missing because the original texts aren't really being translated properly. And it's not, it's not out of you know, any type of uh, ego or anything like that. I was like, I'm literally looking at the text. And I'm like, wait a minute. These English translations are not doing justice to it. And the problem is, is that a lot of authors now are reading or using English translations of English translations of other English translations. So, so all of a sudden, all of these things get lost and the message is completely uh, deformed by the time it gets right. to the reader. And the problem that is, is that a lot of authors don't know that that's happening. And it's not their fault. You know, I'm not blaming anyone. Uh, right. You know, if you don't speak Hebrew or don't read Aramaic, you know, then that, you know, that's not your fault. I mean, I just happen to be in that, in, in a situation where I can. So I decided, let me just put this out there and say, look, this is what's really out there in the, in the Hebrew and the Kabbalistic traditions from the original texts, okay? It's not, it's not like, it's not syncretic in any way. I'm, I'm a syncretist in the sense that I, I actually like to combine traditions, but this was right. a book specifically about Hebrew and Jewish traditions as it pertains to demonology and ghosts and the idea of the devil, but from a uniquely Hebrew and Jewish perspective. And the reason why I did that is because that is where a lot of this information comes from. So you, you right. have all these books on the Klippot. What is Where does that idea come from? It comes from the Hebrew and the Jewish traditions. But right. again, they're using English upon English upon English translations. And here I'm giving directly from the Hebrew, Hebrew Aramaic to English. And right. That's why I did that, to, to sort of clarify. And a lot of people have contacted me and said, my God, you know, some people, it was so intense for them, they were like, look, I have to put this book down because, I mean, you're, you're saying stuff that, you're saying stuff that I, I never thought I would ever hear or read. And, that's right. And actually, that wasn't my intention. I was just giving information. But... Right. It turns out it actually influenced people in ways that I had no, you know, I had no idea that it was going to happen. I, I swear I didn't. And then, but I'm happy it did because people are learning so much about it. And by the way, I held back. I could write two other books on this because I held back because there's so much. There's so right. much. I was like, there's no way and I could write all of this in one book. Exactly. I mean, you went you went in depth. And one one quick, one more quick thing on the language, and you do a good job in the book of it. Uh, for maybe people, when I always encourage people, look, I'm not saying. Uh, I mean, like I said, you you're fortunate. You were raised in that background, so you have a little more roots in some of those Semitic languages. But I've always encouraged people to understand the etymology. A lot of these words get the at least get the basics down because of what you said. Uh, when it comes to the Bible, uh, the Pak for the Torah, all the books on the Bible. Um, you're, you're right. There's so many translations out there. And the more you study and research, like you say, it goes from bad to bad to worse. But one thing you differentiate, and I've always told people this, if you could explain, 
if you can a little bit touch on the difference between Yiddish and Hebrew, sometimes people get a little bit confused with that. It's they're connected, but they're not quite the same thing. If you could touch a little bit on that. Exactly. Well, it's interesting because my background doesn't actually uh, doesn't actually speak Yiddish. We're the, the Middle Eastern side, but Yiddish, what Yiddish is, is the combination of Hebrew and German. Okay. Right. And that, that was a language or, uh, I guess, a permutation uh, that was used by the Ashkenazi Jews or the, and it's still used to this day, Correct. Uh, European Jews that lived in, you know, in, in Europe. And so really it's a confluence of German and, and Hebrew. And it was used predominantly as a way to hide what they were writing and what they were teaching from the non-Jews uh, because right. you had a lot of Germans there and they were like, you know, they were persecuting the Jews. And so the Jews created their, uh, this hybrid language, uh, which actually formed sort of naturally. It wasn't like someone just sat there and said, okay, let's create a hybrid, na- uh, hybrid language. It just formed. And, the, and, and to make a note, um, the Spanish Jews did the same thing. Um, they, they have a language called Ladino. And mm. not Latino, it sounds like Latino, but it's not. It's actually with a D. And it's Ladino right. is the confluence of Hebrew and Spanish for the same purposes. So it was really a confluence of, of two languages. So Hebrew and Yiddish are only related in the sense that they are Jewish in nature, but otherwise, if I were to throw out uh, a Yiddish word to you, okay, and a Hebrew word to you, you you'll see that there's actually, it'll the Yiddish word will will be written in a Hebrew font, but it'll be different. Right. Like for example, let me let me show you one word in Hebrew word uh, uh, the word for bread is lechem. In Yiddish, it's Breut. So Breut right. is, is closer to the German side, but it's actually written in Hebrew font. So <clears throat> it's a very different language uh, that right. an, an average Hebrew speaker, if they heard people speaking Yiddish, they probably wouldn't understand it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Good point. All right, I appreciate you clarifying that. Um, so now I kind of want to jump around through your new book. And again, everybody, the book is available. It is out. Uh, it is available on Amazon. Uh, if you don't have it, uh, it's available also in digital format. You can get it on Kindle. Uh, you can get a hard copy. Uh, I definitely recommend if you are a studier and a practitioner of the occult, demonology, etc. This is a great book. Uh, in the very beginning of the book, you talk, and, I, and I'm glad I'm glad you clarified this because I've always looked at, per se, you mentioned in the very beginning about Callie and Lilith and how you really don't look at them as demons. And I agree, and the reason why, you describe, you use the term, people confuse fierceness, uh, sometimes aggressiveness or the intensity. Even, even Santa Muerte, the Holy Death, which I do a lot of work and a lot of our listeners, uh, they're also... Uh, practitioners or the study of the of, of Santa Morita, the Holy Death, you even classify her not really as particularly what one would label a demon. Can you kind of explain to listeners when you say 
you more perceive them in your perspective uh, because that fierceness sometimes before we get into some of the demons and then the, and then the citra aqua that's going to be a little more complex um relate to the listeners why you perceive why you came up with that or how you explain it in the book that sometimes we can and i'm in agreement with that because i've always perceived the same thing because i think there's a lot of people get fascinated with lilith and cali um in, in in a sense so can you explain that that concept you explained in the book about you, the fierceness sometimes gets confused with that right no it's it, and it's a great thing to get into because what i find is that in the west in, especially in the western conception and when i say western i'm i'm talking more like judeo-christian right and we have this idea that uh, ferociousness and, uh, and and fierceness is not necessarily a good thing. Okay, we, right. we perceive it as being uh, uh, perceive aggressiveness as being some type of evil. Right, and, and that actually became that way after the advent of Christianity, because Christianity brought about a kind of I guess you could say a pacification of, right. of God, uh, you know, uh, quote unquote God. So then all of a sudden Jesus, uh, Jesus and God are turning the other cheek. It's, it's all about mercy. And so anything, uh, again, because Christianity dis, so not disavowed the Old Testament, but sort of said, well, there's a New Testament. The Old Testament is sort of, you know, we use it as a backup. Correct. <laughs> and so, uh, so then uh, fierceness became uh, an evil quality. And the thing is that there's nothing wrong with fierceness in every other religion but Christianity. <laughs> because even right. in, Judea in Judaism, Yahweh or Yehovah, as it is pronounced in Hebrew, he was a pretty mean motherfucker. Okay? That's right. I mean, he was, he, right. he was vicious. He was fierce. He even Violent. Said, I agree. Yeah, I create evil. He put people on fire. I mean, I mean, he, you know, he was no, you know, uh, walk in the park. But it really the problem with uh, fierceness and ferociousness comes from the Christian side. And so when Christianity looks at deities such as Kali, as uh, Lilith, as right. and, and even and, and even in modern day as Santa Muerte. Um, right. They're looking and they're looking and they're like, oh, you know, they're not Jesus, so they're demons, they're devils, they're they're ferocious. Look at Santa Muerte; she's the the patroness of 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 transvestites, of drug addicts, of of gang members. You know, and 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 the Christian right. the Christians don't like that. They don't, you know, they don't understand it. And actually, that's <laughs> where, where where the the rub lies is that they don't understand it and they disavow it. They disavow it all completely because no, God is only love. God is only light. Right. And so they can't view it. So we can't confuse ferociousness and fierceness with evil uh, because again, we have that in ourselves. I mean, look, if someone's going to, if someone comes to your house, okay, and they want to rob you, Oh, and they're going to break through. Are you going to be like, you know what, here, here's my other cheek. Why don't you, why don't you shoot that? Why don't you slap that? 
You're not going to do that, right? right. You're going to be like, you know, right. come, come at me, and I'm telling you, you're going to get out of here in a body bag, okay? Exactly. That's ferociousness. But that's not evil. That's Correct. not evil. You know Correct. what I mean? And so I think that's where the Western religions have a problem. They just don't, they don't fully understand that fierceness is not evil, okay? It's, it's yeah. not the same. And, and they have to remember, God the Father was fierce, okay? It was fierce. Correct. And so if we remember this, then they would be like, oh, well, actually, you're right. There is, there is no, it's not evil, you know? So it's just ferocity. Correct. All right. So what I want to do is uh, in the book, which I find interesting because I think some people and I talk about this a lot. Uh, you got a great section in the book on the aspects of Satan. Uh, I think some people, some of the titles, names they confuse, Zazil, um, Satan, Lucifer. Uh, some people confuse that as all being the same thing. And we've, we've talked about this in length. It's not Blau. You even get into Blau in there. Um, etc. Uh, can you touch a little bit on that? Explain the difference. Let's let's start with some of the familiar ones. The term Satan. Uh, let's let's deal with Bilal, Samael, Azazel. Can you explain how they have different functions uh, and the type of you know classification we would we would classify these demons as? As you kind of break it down in the book, can you kind of elaborate on the the different aspects of Satan a little bit? Sure, sure. Um, the thing is, is that the problem with doing this, this work, and, and that's why in, in my book what I did is I started from very general ideas and then worked my way down into more specific ones, is because in the Bible itself, and, and we're talking about the Old Testament completely. I'm not talking about the New Testament at all. Right. The right. Old Testament is that all of these names, you know, Satan, or Satan, and Blial, or who is uh, Belial, are names that in the, in the Old Testament are used more as descriptions of something. Um, <clears throat> you know what I mean? So they're, they're descriptions of something. So Blial, or Belial, is used as a term for worthlessness, uh, plague, disease, but then Satan and Blial and Asmarius and Azazel, they all take on a different characteristic when you leave the Bible. Okay, when you're in the Bible, it's very uh, ambiguous. You don't, you're not actually sure what Azazel is. I mean, people are like, right. well, if you read it, it's like, wait, is Azazel a being or is it a description of something? But when you, yeah, when you leave the Old Testament, um, then you get a better description of what these beings are. And the thing is, is that when you look at the different texts, we have Samael, we have Satan, and just so you, so you know, Satan or Satan is probably a catch-all term. When it comes right. to when it comes to Judaism, when it comes to Christianity, it's a very specific being. But in Judaism, right. Satan Satan is a very catch-all term. So Satan can be Azazel, Satan can right. be Amael, Satan right. can be 
Belial or Belial or Belial. So mm-hmm. in Judaism, it's not quite clear who Satan is exactly. It's it, but in Judaism, it, it it's many different uh, names. And and the thing Correct. is that that's and and the thing is that there's a beauty in that because what it's really saying is that they're all, as I said in the book, a Satan. So it's 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 in the Hebrew it's. Uh, uh, ha Satan, the Satan, but it, it's not a. It's not uh, like Satan as an individual being. So it's like Samael is a Satan, Azazel is a Satan, and right. Bel Iblial is a Satan. So it's really a catch-all term. But really, in Judaism, Samael. There is no doubt about it. Samael and Asmadius or Ashmadai mm-hmm. are and, and, and Lilith, of course, are the three that I would say that are the most prominent. I mean, we have right. Azazel, and Azazel shows up you know, maybe a handful of times in the Jewish tradition, but really, and even Mastema, which is another term used, but really it's Samael, Ashmadai, or Asmadius, and Lilith as really the, I guess, the trifecta of right. the, the, the demonic realm. So right. is there a difference between them? There is, but there isn't at the same time. In, in, in some right. texts, they're actually all considered to be sort of the one same being. Correct. And that's really, that's really tough. That's really tough for religious students that's really tough for the occult because we look at them and we're like wait a minute they're very distinct but in fact in, in again in jewish tradition they're sort of the same they're they're just right. different names of the same being yeah right okay appreciate you clarifying that um now let's get into obviously the foundation of the book um the sitra akra but can you first explain the connection obviously we can't leave out the clip pot if you can kind of show how they're connected but and then kind of take it to the citra akra i know some people are you know familiar with the clip pot they may not be familiar with the citra akra as much uh but you distinctively describe both of them and their functions in the book so can you kind of connect the two and and how do they work in correlation with each other sure i mean actually they're essentially one and the same they're just two different names for the same general concept so the clipot okay or uh, mm-hmm. is 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 a concept that is a it, it's very difficult to wrap your head around it because the clipot are a product of a primordial event that occurred and so right. this event was uh, during the essentially the creation of the known universe so when there was at one point and this is where some people say oh you know this is where the big bang comes into place because there's that one singularity so let you know let's, right. let's use that let's use that as an example so there's this singularity okay that exists in space wherever this space is okay that's the whole thing that's another question that could take us, you know, many, many years to understand what is that space that that singularity was in to begin with. But That's anyway, right. So then 
in the Kabbalah, there is this understanding that God needed to sort of understand himself, which, which, which is a very odd thing to hear because we're thinking, well, you know, God is, you know, omniscient and transcendent and everything. But in the Kabbalah, it really is a sort of God needing to sort of see himself in some way. And so what he does in the Kabbalah, according to the Kabbalah, he contracts upon himself in something that is called the Tzimtzum. Mm-hmm. And, and then that empty space that from his contraction, he shoots, uh, you know, and again, we're, we're using very, you know, mediocre terms for this because there's really no real way to explain it. Sure. He shoots a, a beam of light straight from the Ein Sof, which means there's essentially nothingness or like there's no end to it. And in the process of this creation, it unfolds in these 10 emanations, these 10 characteristics, I guess you could call them from Keter to Binah, Chochman, all, all of the 10 emanations. Now the problem is, is that these emanations that are supposedly supposed to contain the energy of God or, or, the, or his energy through the Ein Sof is right. so intense that it shatters all of these um, uh, spherots, all of, you know, all of the, the it essentially destroys the, the tree of life. Mm. Not fully, but partially. And so what happens is that literally the parts of the tree of life are shattering literally like glass. And so those shards of glass that are shattering, now, now picture this in an energetic form, okay? Right. They're literally, it, it's, it's literally a dysfunction in creation. That's really what it, what, how it's really um, uh, portrayed, a dysfunction or like a crisis in creation. And these shards fall. Okay, and they, they fall from the top and they keep on going down. And the problem is, is that as they're going down, they're literally developing like a skin, a skin around them. And that skin right. or that shell is called a klipa. In Hebrew, klipa means shell. So right. what's happening is that it's literally divine, um, divine energy encapsulated in this, um, in these shells, and right. the thing, and the thing is, is that Samael and Lilith are the, according to some traditions, are the perpetrators of this, of this, mm. this divide, and this mm. is where, like I said in the book, the rabbinic traditions you know, sort of go from left to right. They, you know, they're not consistent because in the beginning you have just like these kipot that are occurring and then, but then you have these other texts that say, no, 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 Samael and Lilith were created specifically for this purpose. <laughs> so, right. so Samael and Lilith are essentially responsible for this uh, malfunction in creation. And that's where the Sitra Achra comes in. Because Sitra Achra just means 
the other side. I mean, because right. there's the yeah, there's the sitrak dusha, which just means the side of holiness, and then there's the sitra achra, which is the other side or the you know of unholiness. And so we have Samael and Lilith that essentially, when the klipot are when it happened, they are nurturing the klipot. Okay, they are nurturing that side of the tree of life. So I guess you could say it's the left. It's sort of like the left-hand tree of life or the dark or the death or the tree of life or the tree of death, essentially. Correct. And so that's where they come together. It's a very obscure concept because there's so many different teachings that putting them together, it's, it's sort of like putting two pieces, you know, you have a puzzle in front of you and you have two pieces that don't exactly fit but you know what you do? You sort of cut one of the pieces and to right. make it fit. Because, and that's exactly how it is. Because in the Jewish tradition, especially in the, Kabbal, in the Kabbalistic tradition, these, I'm, I'm, you can literally, one chapter says this, the next chapter says that. And it's so different that it's like, wait a minute, how can you, how do you reconcile it? And the things that you can't. Uh, you, you sort of just sort of have to take it and see how maybe intellectually you can do it. But really it is about taking pieces that necessarily don't fit together, cut them so they do. Right. What, what I would like to do, because what you're actually explaining, you have a section in the book and, and you know, there's a section, the clip and, and the Citra Acra. Uh, you have a, sh I want to read a short paragraph uh, in the heading of the caretakers of the Citra Acra, kind of what you just explained. But some of the verbiage, I want to make I want to make sure you clarify some of this. And again, maybe more so for newer people to the path or people that are just interested in studying in this area. So there's a clear understanding of it. All right, I'm just going to read this short paragraph because a lot of what you just said is kind of summed up in this paragraph. Um, you say Samuel and Lilith are the caretakers of the unholy tree of life. And I want to clarify that word because some people hear that and they get a little spooked out. Samuel, whose name means poison of God is the feeder energy of the tree. From him, the clip pot are fed a steady stream of energy. Uh, Lilith, on the other hand, is a receiver of this energy, which she then transmutes into the world. She is the dark counterpoint to the Shekinah or the holy presence that is often associated with the last sephira called Malkut, in which our entrance resides. In this way, she takes the energy from Samael and infuses it into Malkut in an attempt to dim the divine light of the Holy Presence. In this sense, she and Samael are the vessels in which all the klippah exists in and through. Now, a couple of things I want to point out, because some people will hear the word unholy, uh, poison, dark. But I find one thing interesting, and for those that might have walked the path of Rosicrucianism, which I went through, um, they call the central part of where the presence of the divine dwells, the Shekinah. They actually call it that, um, you know, inside the, the lodge or the temples. So if you can explain, when you say the unholy tree of life, and because some might read this and not be on this path and think, well, that doesn't sound too positive because... It could be perceived the wrong way. Can you kind of, you know, kind of elaborate on this particular? But I know you just kind of went into it. But when you say 
uh, the unholy tree of life and how they 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 are this you just kind of describe it but when you say steady stream of energy how one kind of in a sense can't exist without the other can you kind of uh you know elaborate a little bit on that sure um well first of all let's let's deal with the the term uh in hebrew it's shekinah okay or shekinah you know in english shekinah right. is the term you know some people say it's the holy spirit some people say right. it, it is the divine feminine uh, within you know the Hebrew tradition uh, the, uh, in the Kabbalistic tradition so what I was saying in that passage is that Samael and Lilith are literally a, uh, uh, an almost like an alt, uh, a separate um, existence that exists aside from because remember, Judaism is a duality, okay? Right. Judaism believes in duality. And that comes from Zoroastrianism, and I, and I say that in the book. Uh, and I don't go too deep into that, but, but it, it's written there. And so literally, they are the, 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 literally the left-hand path of the tree of life. And so Samael is, I guess you could say, the equivalent of God in the right-hand path. So Samael is the left-hand path God. Uh, right. you know, for lack of a better term, I'm just going to use those terms because it's easier to use in right. the Kabbalah. And Lilith has always been equated with Malchut, which is the last or the final um, Sephirah in the Tree of Life, which, which incorporates the earth, which incorporates our universe, everything that is material. And so he feeds her and the energy of the klipot, because remember, we have the klipot that occurred, and within the klipot are their own universe. They have their own existence. And so Samael is essentially the quote-unquote uh, king of that universe, and Lilith is the queen. And, and again, these are just, you know, these are anthropomorphic terms that we use just to make these ideas easy to understand right. because otherwise it would be impossible to understand them uh, without them. And so she is the receiver of this energy, and what she does with that energy is push it out into the world. And I use the term unholy because... That is the term that is used in the Jewish tradition, okay? It's, right. it's, you know, I don't, you know, I have no problem with Samael personally and Lilith, and so I, I, I don't consider them, quote-unquote, unholy. But really right. what unholy means in this sense is counter to Yahweh, <laughs> essentially. Uh, uh, counter, <laughs> to, uh, counter to Elohim countered to Yehovah, which is Jehovah, but Yehovah is actually how yud Hey vav Hey is pronounced, um, and there's many, you know, opinions that it can be pronounced in many different ways. So, Samael and Lilith are literally counter to Elohim, Yehovah, El Shaddai, and, and Adonai, and all of those names. So, it's literally a parallel universe that 
happens to be engrossed in our world. So that's why I call it unholy because technically the, the divinity, the God, the Elohim and Yehovah are the quote-unquote holy ones. And so Lilith would be the unholy. But again, as I said, as I said even in the book, I, I don't necessarily consider it that way, but this is how those texts say it. Sure. And so, yeah, so that's really where the holy unholy comes from. Right. Anything that is essentially against the God of the Old Testament is unholy um, in, in, in the Kabbalah. Yeah. Correct. Now, now, there was something you mentioned earlier, and if you could elaborate, and I know from doing, when you do research, uh, you know, these texts, um, and you mentioned something about, you know, Yahweh, the God of the Bible. Uh, when you read that Old Testament, you know, there, there's a lot of bloodshed, there's a lot of war, there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of death, there's a lot of animal and blood sacrifice. Um, and I find in my conversations with Christians that per se, may look down or frown upon the occult or might look at uh, certain spiritual traditions or, or African spiritual systems that advocate, you know, animal sacrifice and working with these uh, different aspects. Um, what, what, when we're classifying these gods and these spirits, what, really, what kind of God are we dealing with here? Uh, I, I, and we're speaking from an occult perspective. What, what kind of God are we really dealing with? Because it doesn't seem to be this peaceful all-compassing, all-loving God, you know, it seems like there's, an, for lack of a better word, an agenda there. So in your yeah. research, through the like when you look up this God, and what have you uncovered and found? What, what really kind of God are we dealing with here? No, that's a, that's a great question, and it's a loaded one. Oh, my God, that's like loaded <laughs> like a machine gun, man. But let me just tell you, this, and, and actually, I'll tell you the truth, the, the, the Old Testament God, um, and you know, I'm just going to call him by the Hebrew name that right. actually Jews don't want to mention. We, you, remember, you know how we have Jehovah and uh, in all those, but in Hebrew, it's Yehovah, and right. no Jewish person can pronounce Yehovah. So you know what? I'm right. going to use the term Yehovah going forward. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Yehovah, okay, in the Old Testament is a vengeful God, is a jealous God, is a God of, um, of I mean, it, actually, I'll tell you the truth. If, if you look at Satan within the Old Testament, Yehovah is far, far more, um, uh, we have to be more, we have to be careful of God the Father more than we have to be careful of of Satan, at least Satan tells you where he, when that's, he's coming. But Yehovah, that's right. Not. So that's so right. That, yeah, exactly. So the so what we're dealing with is a very complicated thing here, and 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 actually, the psychiatrist uh, Carl Jung had a great idea about this, and he wrote in his book the answer to Job, and it's a great <laughs> book. I, I I'll tell you. Carl Jung's work is completely dreadfully dry, okay? But sure. <laughs> if you want, you know, if you have the time and you have the, the nerve to read it, uh, you can, but you're, you're going to have to read like two pages a day because this stuff is like completely dry. But he has something very interesting there. 
he talks about, he's really analyzing what happened to Job. Okay, like we have the book of Job in the Old Testament where <laughs> Satan, the, the, this character Satan, only shows up in the first part of the book, says to, to right. God, to, to Yehovah, and he says to him, look, um, you know, here's your, your servant Job, you know, you know, let me fuck with him a little bit and you'll see. He's exactly. not gonna, yeah, he's not going <laughs> to stay faithful to you, right? Right. And so God is like, okay, you know what? I'm going to throw the dice here. Let's go for it. Okay, go to him now. Take away everything that he has, but don't kill him, right? So that's what happens. So Satan's like, okay, I'm game. Let's do it. Throw the dice. He goes down there. He... he um, takes on, he, he destroys uh, uh, Job's, uh, takes away his wealth, he kills his kids, and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And, but Job was like, you know what, no, you know, I'm, I'm still faithful, you know, I'm going to keep on going. And so then again, Job comes up to God, God is like, oh, you see, you just took out everything that he loved, but he's still faithful. So Job is like, you know what, no, 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 okay. How about this? How about I inflict him with all sorts of stuff? And God is like, okay, okay. You know what? Give him disease, give him plague, whatever you're going to do, but don't take his life, right? So Satan goes back down, says, all right, I'm going to fuck with Job again. I'm going to give him disease. I'm going to give him all sorts of stuff. And he doesn't break. And all the people he loves are telling him, just forsake God and die, man. I mean, right. look at what he's doing to you. And Job is like, no, no, no. I'm going to keep on going. Okay? So, the, so, so and, and, he, and what happens when he keeps on going? Yehovah berates him. And he, and he actually tells him, you are a worm. You are nothing. I can do whatever I want with you. And all this right. stuff. So, you know, so, so although Job is being devoted to God, God is still berating him. And then he says, you know what? Ah, okay, Job, you're fine. I'm going to give you twice as many kids, twice as many goats and sheep or whatever the fuck you had. And, that's right. And that's, and that's it. So, so what did Carl Jung um, say about that? And, and, and Carl Jung said that essentially Jesus, okay, that Jesus Christ was an atonement for Job so that – God essentially repented for what he did to Job and said, you know what? I'm going to send myself, it sounds weird, but I'm going to send myself to suffer the slings and arrows of humanity to make up for what I did to Job. (laughs) And, 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 And it's very funny to hear that because he also goes on to say that he does a psychological analysis of the God of the, 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 the God of the Old Testament says the God of the Old Testament doesn't know his left hand from his right. That's right. And, yeah, and it's amazing. So the God of the Old Testament is a, it's, 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 it's a very questionable being. You know, I think the Gnostics may have had it right where they said, you know, maybe it's the Demiurge. Maybe, maybe the God of the Old Testament is the Demiurge that he's, you know, he's not necessarily a holy being um at all and uh i mean you know the the i guess you could say that the uh 
the jury's still out on that. But right. think, when you really think about it, the Hebrew conception of God is, is far worse than any anything we read <laughs> in the demonic literature. You know, right. far worse. And and it's funny because that story they always stood the Job story always stood out, stood out as some real sick twisted two dudes playing this little uh, game, pretty much uh, making this bet. Um, pretty sick twisted story. I mean, I mean from the angle I've looked at it, um, there's so many things with this God of the Bible because even when you go into the Old Testament, like you know God is a jealous God. I mean, how I never understood how the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. Right. all-knowing god can be jealous that's a human emotion it just never made sense to me um yep, exactly. even yeah and even in that story uh where adam and eve so-called you know ate the forbidden fruit he he returns back it says he's walking in the garden in the cool of day which i found that a little abnormal and he doesn't <laughs> even know where adam and eve is so that's why i say what is this i mean we're looking at this particular God. I mean, I don't know if the writers and the translators got some of this wrong when they were trying to translate this stuff, but it seems to be a lot like what you're talking about here. There's a lot more to this. Um, it doesn't, because now when you get into the New Testament, I know you, that's a whole nother thing. We're not gonna really get into that, but they present it as you would get confused and think everything is just peace and love and and harmony but it's like a, a contrast of night and day between the old testament god and how it's present, presented in the new testament so it's right. just it doesn't yeah well yeah doesn't that's really exactly make it. And, and that's why carl jung wrote that book he was basically trying to say that jesus is redeeming his own father <clears throat> he, he came in a way to be a filter for god the father so when god the father is like you know what i'm gonna fuck you up Jesus is like, no, 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 you know, let's, let's filter this a little bit. So that's really what the, the answer to Job is about, is, is about how Christianity saved God from himself. And, and right. that, that's, I mean, it's huge. I mean, uh, but I, like I said, you can read the book, but let me tell you, it, it's very short. The uh, answer to Job is short, but I'm telling you, your eyes will bleed blood within three pages of this thing okay because it is so dry and so technical but um you know it's worth reading if you sort of want to get a you know a psychoanalytic idea of of how you know god the father would be portrayed it's it's i mean it's it's, it's a disaster the old testament is a disaster and there's no there's I don't blame the people who wrote the New Testament saying, oh, you know what? The laws of the Old Testament, those are gone. You know, because, right. I, I mean, Old Testament is just, it's ferocious. And, and to think that in Judaism, that if, because what is Judaism, what is the end goal of Judaism? The end goal of Judaism is for the third temple to be built, Okay. When the third temple is built in Jerusalem, okay, Torah law will become law of the land again. You don't mm. want that to happen. <laughs> no. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you don't no. want that to happen. Yeah. No, because like I say, I don't know how you would keep all 613 of those commandments. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Doesn't make sense. Um, 
want to get to two last things before we take some questions and calls for you. I got to get into this because this this particular quote in the Bible we frequently discuss. You got a section in there on the watches and you got a, yeah. a, a kind of breakdown on Genesis chapter six, verse one to four, where it talks right. about the sons of God. So the daughters of men, they came down, bore children with them. Who who are these sons? Because there's so many theories on this. There's so many authors have tackled this subject. From your research, and I know because you went into the root of the languages, who were these sons of God that came down and, and had children with these women because they looked at them and saw, saw that they were fair and this and that? Because um, you, you, you correlate this kind of to the foreign gods. I know you get into Reshef a little bit, which maybe we can get into that real quick. But in your research, who were these sons of God? Where did they come from? Or what is the origin of them? And what does this passage really convey and mean? Well, I mean, that's, again, a, a, a very um, very loaded question there because there's so much to it. Uh, right. If you read the various scriptures that are surrounded uh, around this event, um, and I wrote a book just about the Watchers. I have a book called The Watchers and Their Ways. It's only about the Watchers. Right. Um, whereas this book, I just have a chapter on it. Um, they are essentially they are essentially an angelic uh, I guess you could say army that has their original purpose was to actually according to some of the the more obscure Jewish texts, they were here to educate humans uh, towards the divine way. but what happened? was that they became corrupt. And, and it's very funny to hear that because when you, when you read like the, what they call the Targumim, it says that the angels became corrupt from being here. <laughs> so it, it right. it essentially that we as humans corrupted them. And then they became, they used their power now that they are now corrupted, um, to teach us, you know, makeup and armory and witchcraft and all of these things. So uh, the thing is that there, there, it's, it's a large body of angels. They're called the Watchers in Arabic. It's uh, in Aramaic. It's Irin, and on uh, Hebrew, it's Irim. And what they are is that they're not all "quote unquote" evil. Some of them have fallen. Some of them have not. And so. They are essentially angelic beings. Now, the question is, I, I think the more pertinent question is, is are these watchers necessarily the fallen angels? Uh. And that's the big question. Because remember, I, I mentioned in the book, in this, the, the current book, that there is a story about Samael. Okay, Samael a very close to the Islamic story, but the Islamic story clearly took from the Jewish one because it's much, much, you know, the Jewish story is much older, where God creates Adam and Eve, or Adam rather, and says to the angels, bow down before him, okay? Correct. And Angel Michael is like, okay, well, Angel Michael is the enforcer, so he says, all right, angels, let's bow down before this this mud creation, right? <laughs> so 
some, some, well, that's exactly what he was, right? So, so Samael is like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. And so Samael is then cast down. So, so this is where there's potentially two falls, okay? We have Samael who did not obey God's command to revere Adam, okay? We have this in the Apocrypha. And, and Michael essentially says, all right, well, get the fuck out. You know, so, and he, he gets out. So he falls to, to Eden. Adam and Eve are created. And then Samael tempts Eve. So Samael already fell with his angels. He already fell. And then we have centuries later, the watchers falling from the heavens. So most people say, oh, the watchers, those are the fallen angels. But no, that is, I guess you could say, the second iteration of that story because Samael already, with his angels, already fell in, in Eden. They already fell. So right. that's why we have this, this, this conflicting story. Are there two falls here? So who are the watchers? Are the watchers... Angels that came later that said, okay, well, saw Samael fall about, I don't know, a thousand years ago. We're going to come follow him. So the thing is that are these just two stories that are actually the same story, but they're written in two different ways. But really what I feel is that the fall of these angels came way early in the story. And that the fall of the, you know, the, the Watchers and the Nephilim, that is a later story that was borrowed from an earlier one. And right. so I really think that the first fall was Samael and his angels way before the Watchers. So the Watchers are essentially um, a newer story of an older one. Correct. Yeah, it's a because it's a it's amazing. Get many different uh, uh, viewpoints in that, but I, I I'm glad you shared your perspective on it because it is a passage that's that's talked about. Because what where what it comes up is I've even heard these theories uh, when you read the story of Cain and Abel, and it it, it tells it tells you when uh, Cain slew Abel, he was cast to the land of Nod, and you know right. he had the mark put upon his head. But the question that arises is the mark was supposed to be at according to the story anyway, was supposed to be put on his head so anybody that came upon him uh, did not kill him. Now, the question is, right. according to lineage, there was nobody else alive but Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel. So who, uh, what, well, yeah, yeah, so that's why I bring the watches in this in this passage up. Who, who, who would they be afraid of Cain encountering in the land or not? What bands uh, is it possible that these were some of these bands that that might have been residing there? I mean, we don't know, but I'm just—is there any connection to that? That's why I kind of was bringing it up. All right. Well, well, this is where the Jewish tradition is very inventive. It's the there's the first. Remember, there's two creations of man and woman. There's the Correct. first creation that says. God created man and woman, and, you know, and then later, literally like a chapter later, he creates Adam and Eve. Right, and you're talking, you're, you're, right. 
You're talking in one Genesis one verse twenty six to twenty eight. Now Genesis two verse seven. But just right, so people exactly. can look. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. So the first, uh, um, the first example, Genesis one. That, according to the Jew, to the rabbis, okay, you know, according to Jewish tradition, when when it says, "Oh, created man and woman," he created. What he was saying is that he created man and woman already they he, he literally created them already and that right. adam and eve were just the first humans that they are accounting for that there were other other humans there okay right that they were but and that first term that it says you know created man and woman those were other people that he created so but for some reason he focused on the on adam and eve specifically now in the second in the in the second chapter so what what they're implying is that there were already people there so cain did not uh you know sleep with because you know in the apocrypha you know adam and eve also had daughters uh, right he did not sleep with his own his own sister but there were Correct. humans there were people that were already in existence Thank so you. that's a, and that's that's the, the rabbinic way of explaining that away, um, you know, because it doesn't make sense. It's like, wait a minute, this is Adam and Eve, you know, and then we have Cain, Abel, you know, where 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 are the women coming from? <laughs> what, what, that's what, right. I mean, is, yeah, is Cain having sex with his own mother? I mean, what what's going on here? But no, <laughs> the first chapter, according to the rabbis, states that. They that men and women were already sort of there, you know, that, that there was a, this creation that was already there, and that they just happened to pick Adam and Eve as being the first ones, but there was already people there because, that's uh, right. yeah, so that's the rabbinic tradition. There's, I mean, there's like Kabbalistic interpretations that sort of hint to that. But right. again, remember, these are all interpretations. You know, we don't really know what, right. what stories truly mean. Correct. Appreciate that. Okay, and then the last thing I want to touch on, and then we're going to go to the phones um, and we'll go to the uh, chat and we'll get some questions over to you. So uh, people get ready to get those questions. I know already a bunch of you have typed in the chat already. I will give the call numbers in the uh, chat i will i will give it out again in a minute on both platforms uh you have a section in the back and you even in the beginning of the book you go through it a little bit uh i want to focus on two particular spirit possessions you talk about um you have one called the dabek or some say the book uh and the ibor now you see you mentioned in there and, and these are the hebrew aspects one being you know for malevolent purposes and the other maybe being for benevolent can you explain? Because I think spirit possession is something that gets very misunderstood uh, on this path and understanding how that works um, and incorporated. Um, so if you can explain the difference just specifically between those two, I know you get into a whole list of, obviously right. we'd be here all night. I'm trying to touch on some of the key points. Could you just kind of uh, explain those two? Sure, sure. So in the Jewish tradition, there are two form, two main forms of possession. One is called a dibuk, 
and one is called an ibul. And a diguk, I mean, the, the term itself is, it already implies what it is. It's an attachment, it's devic, it's, it's glue, it's on, on top of you. Whereas right. an ibul, ibul is an impregnation, sort of like something that is emerging out. So a dibuk is a spirit that um, uh, generally is, uh, there's several reasons why a dibuk would be a dibuk, but usually it's for malevolent, malevolent purposes. It's a spirit that one uh, possesses a person that it knows personally from real from human life that it sort of wants to mess with uh, for whatever reason. Um, it could be a jealous, uh, jealous husband that had passed away. It could be someone that is holding a grudge um, or it's just one of these lost souls that supposedly was thrown into uh, what they call Sheol, um, which is sort of a type of purgatory or hell and they want relief, so they come and just possess any person that uh, sort of comes across their path, essentially. And so what they do is they reside in these people uh, for whatever purpose, you know, that they have. And usually there's not a purpose. Usually it's like, look, I just need to get away from the misery that is my spiritual life. I'm going to possess this person. And then um, an Ibul is different. An Ibul is a righteous soul, a soul that has good intentions that may have died early you know, or prematurely, and, but still had like a mission to accomplish. So what they do is they find a, a, a person that is um, fairly righteous. You know, they're, they're not going to find, you know, someone in the back alley. They're going to find someone who's, you know, uh, has righteousness that they can fulfill their destiny through them, okay? And the benefit is, is that as they do that, that person that they are possessing also gets benefit from it. So it's a mutually beneficial situation. And once that um, uh, objective is uh, obtained, the Ibu leaves. Whereas with the Dibuk, the Dibuk does not leave because the Dibuk is using the person that it is possessing as a form of pacification, some, um, some way to relieve itself of its own pain and its own suffering. So it's not going to leave. Um, and that's the difference between the two. And, and that's why when you approach them, you will never exercise any bull but you will exercise a debuk because a debuk, again, is an evil, ent- well, not, not that it's evil, but it has malevolent, malevolent intent and you have to sort of cast it out of you. you ha- it has to be cast out of you because it has no particular goal. Whereas, like I said, a nibur has a goal, achieves the goal and leaves. But he usually leaves, he or she usually leaves benefiting the person that they possessed. Okay. I got disconnected there for a second, uh, Brother Bow. I lost my connection, um, so I'm not sure where you left off. Um, I just got back in. Did you finish uh, your explanation? Because I lost connection and I, yeah. had to, I had to plug it back in. Okay. Yeah. What oh, I said, well, basically, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
No, what I was saying is that essentially the uh, an ebul is a spirit that does not need to be exercised from someone. It leaves on its own once its mission is complete. And when that mission is complete, it benefits both it, the spirit, and the person that it, it possessed, whereas the dibuk needs to be exercised because it has malevolent intent and, and it will never leave the person that it possesses uh, until it is exercised. Okay. Appreciate that. All right. Let me just get this connection. As soon as you started talking about uh, spirits and demons, we got disconnected. <laughs> That's right. Look at that. The, the, the books are there. They're in your house. They're like a poltergeist. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to get the connections. Just bear with me for one minute. I'm disconnected on the other side. The other side is up. Um, trying to get this thing up and running so people could call in. Uh, I'm going to go through some of these questions. Uh, wait, there we go. Wow. This never happened before. It was the first time. Both shut. All right. What I'm going to do till we get this connection stable, because I, I, to get this line up and running, it'll come back. I'm going to feed you some of the questions uh, that we have in the chat. Um, sure. We're trying to reconnect here while that's trying to reconnect. Uh, hold on one second. All right. With me here. All right. All right. So let me go up here. I'll try to work on this simultaneously while you address some of these questions. Okay. First one. Uh, oh, well, somebody had asked Are your are books available on the Nook device? Uh, I'm not sure. Would you know? Uh, yes. Some of them are. Some of them aren't. Unfortunately, you would have to look on Nook. And just put in my name, and you'll find those that are available. The current book is not available on Nook, no. Okay, okay. All right, let me scroll down here. Everybody's saying green, so I'm going to skip all that stuff. Okay. Uh, one second. Bear with me, I'm having issues with this. Of course. Okay, here's here's the first question I'm able to retrieve here. It says, what are the qualitative differences between Yah's dimension and Samael's dimension? Pros and cons. They're clearly both realistic, but which one is more advantageous? Uh, well, I guess my counter question would be is what do you mean by advantageous but i would right. say that they are equivalent because they're literally the the counterparts of one another but mm. um in the kabbalah it is clear that samael is a creation of yah i mean or yehovah right so and then he it, 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 and it and it sort of separates from there. So, but as of this moment, uh, according to Kabbalistic uh, uh, teachings, they are literally dynamically opposed to one another. Um, they are uh, but in the way I see it, it's more like a yin yang type of thing. But 
if you want to see it in the more starker way, they are literally separated from one another with the universe between them. So they're literally fighting each other for, mm-hmm. I, I guess you could say, um, for the redemption of man or the fall of man. Uh, because each one, each side is sort of fighting the other, trying to get a certain goal. So, like, for example, in the Kabbalah, Samael's purpose, and Lilith, for that matter, is to take those people who are, quote-unquote, holy, or trying to be holy, and dissuade them from that, and then condemn them in, in such a way. So... But really, they, I would say that in many ways they're, they're equal. In this world, according to the Kabbalah, the world that does not belong to evil or Samael, but it is overrun with it. Right. So if you are here and you want to work with some energy, Samael is actually a very wonderful energy to work with when, you know, when you're, you're using the energy from here, you know. So I, I think that actually Samael is much, much more powerful in some ways here uh, because literally the clay from Samael are everywhere. And so if you want to tap into that, Samael is perfect for this situation. I would definitely say Samael is, you see, you see his work all over the place. Correct. All right. I I had to shut it down and restart it, so I got it back up on this end. All right. So everybody that's back in, unfortunately, the only way I can get it programmed, I had to shut it down and restart it. You're going to have to, unfortunately, retype some of your questions. I'm going to open the phone lines. I got the phone line uh, back up and running. All right. So the call-in number is 561-962-1137. If you want to call in, I know everybody's piling back in. I apologize for that. Um, don't know what that was. We started talking about spirits and demons. <laughs> spirits and demons. Well, maybe, and everything maybe, just shut down. maybe it's maybe it's Jehovah. He's like, no, 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 don't, 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 no more information. Don't there tell you go. Anymore. Don't tell them anymore. <laughs> there you go. Because I've never seen that. All right. All right. Uh-huh. Okay, so let's go. All right, so we got some calls now on both ends. All right, I'm going to, if you are calling on the line and it's busy, you're just going to have to keep calling back. I can only keep one on that line. All right, so I'm going to bring in uh, the first uh, caller on talks. You, uh, Wacky J. Jeremy, are you there? Uh, hey. Hey, how you doing? You're on live with Val Cadman. So if you got a question for him, go ahead and ask. Hey, how you doing? Uh, good evening, Val Cadman. Good evening. Um, yes, sir. Um, I just wanted to say thank you um, for the work and the, the study and contributions you have done. Um, they've uh, been very Hold helpful to me. Um, hello? No, Go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, uh, they've been very helpful to me and uh, very understandable, uh, simple, and um um, just wanted to tell you thanks, man, and, and um, appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you for supporting my work and 
you know, thank you for, um, you know, resonating with it. And like I said, any questions you have, anything, just message me. Okay, great, great. Um, the uh, meditation course is good. It's very helpful. Uh, I'm, I'm in the midst of taking it right now. Um, thanks again, and uh, you have a good evening. I want to thank both of you. Uh, both of your work has been uh, very helpful. And, uh, no, thank you. Thank you. Have a great evening as well. Thank you. All right. Questions? Um, I don't have any questions. Um, I couldn't quite think of any, but uh, I just want to let you know. Thanks, man, for the contrib- contributions and and your work. I'm um, I'm still listening to the audio books and the mantras. The mantras are very good too. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for supporting my work again. And uh, again, if you if you're on Facebook or Email just email me if you have any questions or anything. Sure, sure, I will. Um, and I tune into the podcast too. It's uh, it's great work, man. Excellent work. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. Uh, oh, and the history, the history that you include uh, in the beginning of the book, that's, that's real helpful too. Thank you. Um, that's all, right, all I thank have. Thank you, Wacky Dates. All right, thank you, thank you. Right. Um, there's still some technical difficulties, Mr. Calman. This is uh, Raven. I assist sometimes talking and yapping every now and then. Because uh, okay. <laughs> we lost, we 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 lost um, but um oh, and there's some real yeah it's real technical difficulties i well, mean like well, everything well, is that's, just like um shutting down well that's the whole thing you know when when people are talking about true things and things that are going to educate people sometimes something comes in and says you know what i don't want them to know about it and shuts it down yeah yeah, yeah. They try to. They try to just take advantage of that. Okay, you're back. Yeah, yeah we I'm lost back. you totally. And um. Yeah, I know. I just it's acting up like super crazy here. Um, Isn't that crazy? Just, Isn't that crazy? Very interesting. Uh, let me bring this caller in before I lose connection again. Hello, caller. What, hello, caller. What's your name and where you calling from? Uh, Velveteen Black from Iowa. Okay. Uh, and what is your question for about? Uh, Okay. Um, well, it's in regards to basically the translations. It's obvious from uh, the book that um, an improper translation has um, evolved into a very black and white thinking in Judaism and Christianity. And my question was, is well, was um, how he believes that um, proper translations could remold those faiths possibly in the future, and even the occult community? Good question. Uh, Your thoughts? Okay. Well, 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 first of all, wait a minute. You just, wait, wait is, you said your name is Velveteen Black? Velveteen Black, yes. Velveteen Black. 
Okay, well, are you wait? Are you the Velveteen Black that writes uh, occult erotica? Are you? Is it the same person or is it someone else? <laughs> no, this is her. Yeah, this is she. Uh, uh, okay. Well, anyway, um, just so you guys know, Velveteen Black. It, it, she says that that's her. She writes occult erotica. Great stuff. Uh, wow. Okay. Well. All right. Uh, if that's you, I will answer your question. Um, okay. Well, um, that's a, a it's a very good question. Translations, if they're done properly, it can mold the definition of what you're reading. So just like I I wrote in that book and 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 at least the last three books that I wrote that the translation can make all the difference. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that a lot of the English translations are, um, I, I, I guess you could say they're a little bit faulty and can give you a false impression of what a passage states. But, yeah, I mean, translation makes all the difference. And, and that's part of my goal in this, in, in my particular purpose in this world is to try to normalize and to translate things accurately. And that's why you'll see in my Belial a history book and my Malkitetic book and in this current book, um, I try to make it um, uh, succinct and try to make it as accurate as possible because most people are using translations that are completely off. And the problem is, is that they don't know it's off. And that, that's a problem. So yeah, translations can change the definition of something and the meaning of something from the very start. Are you there? Hello? She, um, I think, uh, I think we lost her again. Uh, <laughs> we lost Brother Benita again. Um, but if so, he'll he'll bring her back in. But mm-hmm. uh, okay, no, what I was gonna say is, it's actually I'm I'm very honored to have been asked that question from her because she's actually a very well known, um, if that's in fact her, uh, very well known occult erotica author. So that's that's cool, Velveteen Black. That's yeah, that was cool. cool. Yeah. That is yeah, I was cool. like, wow, okay. <laughs> that's awesome. I said, all right, she's tuning in. She's tuning in. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. No, no, no. She's she's great. She she writes some really good stuff. So I'm I'm actually honored that she's asking me questions. She probably knows a bunch herself, you know, so that's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I'll take a question from the chat. Um sure. We have John Chabacchino. Um, he's asking about um, where do you acquire, where did you, re, you know, acquire all of this knowledge? Because um, he was on um, your webpage and he find your information, your books very interesting. So you just wanted to know, you know, where you, I know you addressed this some in the beginning. And he may not have been on the YouTube page and may have right. missed it. So there's the question. Okay, well, you know, it's just, 
you know, years and years of study and questioning. And I think, I think really where it started for me, essentially from that one uh, experience I had in overseas when, when I, I, I realized that I needed to study the occult, uh, but really where, it's, where I think that the, the, the intricacy and the details started from was the fact that I grew up in a multilingual family. And so when I started reading English translations of things, I knew they were off. Um, and so that drove me to continue to learn uh, Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek and Latin and and all of these languages to figure out, wait a minute, what, you know, what are these texts actually really saying? And that opened up another world completely. And, and that's sort of how it started. I mean, it started from, you know, this spiritual experience I had where I knew I would study the occult for the rest of my life. And then the linguistic aspect of it. And it just took, it took on a life of its own. I mean, it, it literally went from one thing to another and uh, I can't even specify one particular uh, point where it turned. I, I, I do know the, the, I, I, obviously the first point, but it just kept on growing. You know, one topic led to the other and to the other, and it just blew up. I mean, that's, that's really how this knowledge was attained. It just experience and questioning everything, reading everything. You know, whatever you can get your hands on, I don't care what it is, read it. Understand, even if it's against your, your, your beliefs, read it. You know, write about it. Look at it. See it. You know, and, and I'm telling you, you'll grow from that because we, we don't grow when we read things that agree with us all the time. We exactly. grow from things... Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's like we grow from things that also disturb us, challenges that, us. Mm -hmm. you know, that, that challenges us, that shakes us to our core. And so that's why I'm saying if something, if you are averse to something and you're like, you know what, I'm not going to read that, that is a sign that you have to read it because that is going to challenge you. You're going to hate it. You're going to spit it. You're going to rip it apart. Whatever you're going to do. Okay, but keep on reading it and not because you want to be convinced of what it says, but because you want to learn because that can then lead you to somewhere else and that will lead you to somewhere else and then somewhere else and then somewhere else. And before you know it, you're spanning the entire intellectual history of humanity. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's why I never close your options never close your mind to anything even if you see an evangelical pamphlet on the street that says you know condemning everything that you are okay read it just read it you don't have to believe it just read it say okay what is their perspective why are they thinking that way you know and and and, and just understand them because this way as you grow more in wisdom when you come across those people, you don't have to fight them. You understand. You say, you know what? That's you, man. That's you. This is your truth. This is your light. This is how you want to live your life. That's fine. And then you know what? You're going to walk away from that a stronger person. 
but it only happens when you have the knowledge. So like I said, read everything, everything that comes across your path. I, I, I agree. I agree. I agree because that makes you a more of a um, well-rounded uh, occultist and you'll be able to just, that makes you a critical thinker, right? Because well, right. you have to be, be able to political thinking on some level to want to even want to read something that is adverse to however you may feel what whatever your ideology is the mythos or or morals whatever that is um you have to be able to be a critical thinker to step a outside of the box stepping outside of the box makes change box you box in how can you possibly change or see anything differently if you're constantly yeah. living in the box and i do see that a lot on this path is that people are comfortable um in one facet it's okay to be it's okay to be strength have a strength in one thing but i think you limit yourself when you don't look outside of that um exactly. uh, because you could be missing a possible missing a piece of the puzzle inside your one thing because you never look exactly. at it another way from the outside so exactly. yeah I, I agree because you know when you say to something about the uh, languages, because um, Brother Benin has been talking about that, just to learn, well, you know, some of these, um, like you've come across rituals that's already written by somebody else, um, like Michael W. Ford, for instance, you know, for example, you know, some of these people that use a lot of um, these words, right, that you don't know what they, the heck they are, or let alone how to pronounce them. <laughs> right how can you know exactly what those words are because everything you can't google um exactly exactly how can you even tell where the origin of the word comes from to be able to um try to delve in and get the as much understanding of a particular word you you have any uh, ideas or uh, 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 thoughts on that well, that's, that's exactly it because it's interesting because just literally like I think it was yesterday uh, someone posted um, a, uh, a text that was in Latin uh, on one of the, you know, very prominent occult texts and I'm looking at it and I'm already seeing that there was a problem with how it was presented and it wasn't the person who posted it, it was their issue. They got it from somewhere else. Um, and then when I looked at it, I was like, wow, you know, it would be, it would be so beneficial if, if, if people knew how to, to understand and how to read these texts. So really, in the end, when I studied these texts, I had to spend tens of thousands of dollars, okay, to study it because remember, I started my occult path in the 80s. So mm -hmm. I had to learn all this stuff. So now, where I am now, cost me all this stuff, all this time and all this money. But nowadays, there's so many resources out there to learn these things. I mean, I wish I had them. If I had them, it would be so great. But nowadays, you just have to look up stuff. You have to, I mean, listen, it, it may not be free, but... You can find, you know, resources to learn Latin, to learn ancient Greek and, and Hebrew and Aramaic. The Hebrew and Aramaic I grew up with, so that, that's one thing. But I had to learn the Greek. I had to learn the Latin. 
you know, so th- those were things I had to learn and the Arabic for that matter, even though I had some Arabic in, in my family as well. But, you know, I had to learn those things, but now it's easier than ever to learn those things. And you just have to look, uh, literally, you just have to look at Can you hear me? Yeah. Hello. Uh, I'm on the, I'm on my phone. I'm going to have to do this from the phone. I'm having huge problems with the internet. Um, so I don't know what's going on, no matter what I'm doing. No, it's I, just... I, 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 think, I, I love it because I think it's like they don't want, whatever it is, doesn't want any of this information <laughs> out. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be because, my goodness, I, I, no matter what I'm doing to try to reconnect, I, I've lost the chat. So I really, um, Raven, I don't know if you see anything or, or calls on, on your end. I don't know if you've lost everything. And is the is the YouTube stream completely down? Um, it, well, I tried to get back in. I clicked on something I shouldn't have clicked on. I anyway, but um, I can see the chat. <laughs> um, and I'm looking for questions, but the YouTube is still down. So I'm trying yeah, to look for chat uh, questions. Um. Okay, I'm just gonna, you know, because you know, like in the in the, but still in the meantime, uh, while I do that, you know, like shape, you know, about what well, books that I have that you have written, sure. is that you explain what language it is, you know, that when you put it in, uh, like in Italian, for example, you say this is Italian, you know, right, so it's easier, and then you have the English version to it as well. So that I appreciate, but it's a lot of things that's out there that doesn't break it out in that manner. Well, I'll tell you why they don't break it out. And I I hate to say this, but it's because they don't know what it is. I mean, that's the thing. It's like there's a lot of of (laughs) authors out there that that are regurgitating a lot of the stuff that's, you know, present. And they'll say like Hebrew names and They'll do Latin names and Greek names and Italian names and all that stuff. But they don't actually know it. They're just saying, oh, well, this is from here, and this is how you do it. But the thing is, is that they don't understand what it is. And, and that's where I sort of come in, and that's where I actually, unfortunately, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, what they call a <coughs> I, I don't like to. I don't like fights. I don't like, you know, spiritual wars that's that's not my thing but you know people want to have spiritual wars with me because they feel intimidated by it you know because like wait a minute you're telling me that i don't know what i'm talking about yeah well actually yeah i am uh in some way uh because people are like oh well it says well it says this but i'm like yeah but it actually doesn't say that you know what i mean it doesn't not in its original Mm -hmm. language and so i think people get nervous about that i think they get by it because they're like, you know, this is my bread and butter. This is what I've always built my my whole occult practice on. But the thing is that, yeah, well, you know what? If anything, you should be thankful and say, okay, okay, now you know exactly what it means. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and that's the whole thing. So, and, and I find that in the occult community, there's a lot of that sort of like infighting and that ego stuff and and, you know, it, 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 it sucks, you know, it really sucks because 
I'm trying, I try to teach people these things. I'm not looking to be their competitor. I, that, that's never been my objective. Mm-hmm. And people who know me, who know me and see my posts, I never do that. You know, I want to show people, but people get offended by it because they're like, wait a minute. You know, you're saying it means this, but I'm saying it means that. I was like, yes, well, but this is what it says. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so there's, there's always a little bit of an ego thing going on here. And all I want to do is present the information. Everything that I present can be looked up. Okay, you can look it up. You can find it out for yourself. There's, no, there's nothing there that you can't find out for yourself. The difference is, is that a lot of people don't know where to look. And, and, and that, <coughs> that's what I bring to the table. And just look it up. It's there. It's right there. You know, I, I, I don't pull this out of the sky. It's not a particular, you know, I'm not, you know, getting channeled wisdom. You know, this is stuff that people can look mm-hmm. up. They can, they can do it. But it takes work. You know, it takes work. It takes you know, some um, perseverance and some knowledge of the languages and which you can learn online. And so that's where I stand with that. Okay. Well, I got everything back up and running. I don't know how that, <laughs> I don't know how that's uh, going to work. Uh, but uh, let's see if we can retrieve anything. Uh, cross our fingers. Uh, uh, there are some questions I see. I oh, know. Lost all those too. Okay, this was one. Yeah, it, it's just a lot of um, it's just a lot of um, chit chat going back and forth. Well, there was one question earlier in the chat, so I'm gonna throw that at you, Bow. Um, and that question was, what is the natural antithesis, in your opinion, to the Semitic occult? Hmm. I know that's a broad mm-hmm. question. That. Well, actually, the antithesis of Semitic occult resides within Semitic occult. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the whole thing. It's like, you know, there there really isn't anything that you can do that is not found somewhere. Well, obviously, the, the Norse stuff, and, you know, obviously, that's different, but from the Western tradition, there's nothing you can do that is not somehow wrapped up into the Semitic occult in some way. You know, so, you know what I mean? So it's like, even in the Goetia, you have, you know, um, you know, all these spirits that, but they're actually wrapped up into the Semitic system. So, the Semitic system is its its own perfect enemy, and so mm. there really isn't, you know, one that I could say, okay, this is against the Semitic. No, the Semitic is against its own self. <laughs> and, and and let me ask you this, Bao, in your opinion, just this, this, how much of this path? I know in working magic, how much of this, in your opinion, is perception, imagination? Mm-hmm. Um, and applying, you know, tapping into your subjective realm. Because how much, when we're working a lot of these magical rituals or we're working a system to make a connection with demons, spirits, uh, and these different terms we use, in your opinion, from experience, how much of this is is subjective? 
Well, I think that any good magic or any good prayer or anything for that matter is always going to be subjective. Uh, because, okay. and, and the reason why I say that is because not that this, the spirits are necessarily subjective in themselves, but the way they, the way well, our understanding of these spirits project themselves will always be a little different. I mean, you, for some people, they see these spirits as one way or the other. And so there is a very large subjective aspect to it. There's no doubt about it. And the right. reason for that is is because that's the best way it works. It, it works right. so much better when it is subjective because that's why I'm always very suspicious of documents that say, okay, this spirit is going to come to you in this and this and that form. And that's why I don't, I try not to use that in my own work uh, because I feel that, you know, maybe that's how they portrayed themselves to the medievalists, you know, but they may portray themselves differently. I mean, I know some occultists, um, that it, he, they do portray themselves differently uh, to other people. So subjectivity is a very big part of it. But just to, to clarify, subjectivity does not mean inefficiency. It, right. Subject, yeah, subjectivity is just as valid as anything else. So if I see a particular spirit in a white cloak and someone else sees it in a black cloak, it's the same, it's the same experience. It's just working with our own understanding or our own right. place in the moment. So I think subjectivity is, is vital and it does not detract, but rather it adds to our right. Rituals. And then another thing I'm... with the sound mind. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. But 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 isn't that within but 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 that subjectivity isn't that still within the framework of a sound sound mind? Uh well, I guess the the next question is is what what is a sound mind? Um, <laughs> you know, you know the the question is what is a sound mind? What is the classification of a sound mm -hmm. mind? Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people who I guess you know let's use the term that are of unsound mind. Um, may experience these um, entities in a very aggressive way. Uh, and the question is, is that, is it any more or less valid from someone who is of a, of a sound mind? That's a very, uh, it's a very good question. Uh, and it's one that it's very hard to answer because again, sound mind, unsound mind is such um, um, such a complicated thing, you know, because some people, they do speak to spirits, they hear them, they feel them, they see them. And exactly. to the modern psychologist or psychiatrist, one would say, oh, they're just delusional. And the other, it's a say, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. they're, psychi mm -hmm. they're psychotic. So the thing is, is that that's the right. thing. It depends how it's happening and who's interpreting it. You know what I mean? So it, it, that's such a tough, tough question. And I wish I could give you a black and white answer on that one. But yeah, right. I mean, it, it could be completely different for. No, different that's no, that's a, no, that was that was great. That, that was great because um, you're right. 
that's why I asked the question because I just wanted to see what the answer would be because I have found that, you know, in my readings and, and listening is that who, who can really judge that? You're right, is who can really say that because as you just said so perfectly that uh, people can hear, people do experience, people may think that um, the voice is in their mind or, you know, whatever it belongs to them. Um, you know, or yeah, they know it's it's not them, and that it's something else is telling them to do something. You know, so right. mm -hmm. good point. All right, so I just want to let people know it looks like everything is stable uh, for the time that we have left. Uh, again, retype your questions. The phone phone line is back up and running at five six one nine six two eleven thirty seven. I want to throw something in there. One book that we use frequently. Uh, Brother Brown, we've actually done uh, rituals and incorporated some of your mantras from the uh, Cali Mantra Magic book, um, which seems to be a very popular book. Um, question I have, uh, and I know you have books on the topic, how important uh, with mantras, obviously the tone, the sound, vibration, frequencies, uh, in your personal work, how have you incorporated it? I mean, have you reached higher states of consciousness with it? Have you tapped into working with some of these energies slash spirits, demons via your mantras? You can elaborate a little bit on that. Sure. Um, my policy is always to write on things that I have experience with. I never right. write on anything. And I even say it in some of the books, if I don't have experience in it, I'm not going to write about it. And so I, I constantly, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of my staple practices is always to use mantras. I love them. I, I love the vibrations of them. And there are some things that I have not published that I, that I use too, where I, I use sort of Hebrew mantras as well. And there's, you know, there isn't really like a quote unquote Hebrew mantra tradition technically, but I sort of transliterate certain things and I, I will use it as a mantra form. Um, I find that they're very uh, um, effective because really what a mantra is, you know, it's not necessarily something that we can translate. Uh, some mantras yeah. have obvious translations, but some of them do not. Some of them are basically just sounds. And so it's, it's really mantras are sort of like a sound therapy of, of some sort. So, and, and what they do is they create this energy around the person who is, who is reciting the mantra. And I've had many I mean, countless. I, I mean, I have my own personal journals that I haven't published yet, but just to, to, to mention, um, mantras are a big, big part of my practice. And I'll use them even for my stuff that I'm using that is more Kabbalistic because what I'll do is I'll turn the angelic names or the Hebrew names into a type of mantra. So Samael would become a mantra. Uh, right. Lilith, uh, and in Hebrew it would be Lilit. So I like uh, in this in, in my latest book. I in the back of the book, I give a link to a part of my website that has the meditation 
meditations and rituals in the book, and some of them are in Aramaic. So actually, if you go to the back of the book and you click that link, you'll hear me reciting Aramaic incantations, you know, uh, in their original. Oh. Yeah, and so if you go to the back, and but the first one um, is the unification of Samael and Lilith, and the key term is Samael velilit ke'echad. And what that means <clears throat> is Samael and, Lil- and Lilith as one. And that <clears throat> is very, very powerful mantra. If you could say it in the original, and I say it right there in the video. So go to the back of the book and you'll see the first, the first meditation there is, there's a link right there. You just click it, it goes right to my site. And it says, literally, Samael velilit ke'echad. And, and people wow. have been emailing me saying, oh my God, that relaxes me. It makes me feel, you know, almost <laughs> spaced out. And, and that literally means Samael and Lilith as one. Wow. And, and that's great because they are the epitome of the klipot of the Sitra Achwa. He is the, essentially the top. She is the receiver. And they're just working with each other. They're literally like a closed loop. And mm. so when you, when you do that chant, when you do that mantra in Hebrew, it, it, you know, you'll feel it. I mean, trust me, people are telling, right. I'm telling, I have emails all over the place telling me, oh, my God, that's nice. the best. And all those, other, <laughs> all those other meditations are in Aramaic and Hebrew, so you might want to take a look at those as well. Definitely, definitely. All right, I got two callers here on the talk show. Let me try to plug them in. Uh, this one is 907-440. I'm going to bring you in. That's the number it shows. Uh, 907-440, you there? Hello? 907-440, are you there? Okay, nobody's speaking. All right, let me go to the next car. Uh, Stray Panther, can you hear me? Stray Panther 79? Great Panther 79, can you hear me? Hello, Straight Panther 79. Man, this thing really tripping out. <laughs> Hello, Straight Panther, can you hear me? Straight, yeah, Straight Panther 79, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm I'm here. Um, I'm sorry I couldn't get to the okay, point. I work. Okay. Did you, um, did you have a question just, or no? I was just, uh, no, I didn't have a specific question. Um, I was just listening to the show, just taking notes. Okay, no problem. We we'll appreciate right. you listening there. All right, cool. Thank you. All right, let's uh let's go back on the other side and deal with this craziness. All right, uh, we got we got a little bit more time. Um. Again, anybody that's this this side is back up. The call in number 561-962-1137. Uh, I'm gonna scroll up. I know now you guys are typing back in to see if there's any questions. If you got some questions, you might want to type them in, get them over because I, I lost everything. Um, so I've literally started from scratch when it came back up and running. So, uh, but everybody's enjoying the show. I mean, a lot of you guys are typing in. Great show. Everybody's you know 
giving you a hello, warm welcome. I'm sure he appreciates that. Uh, let's get some questions over here too. Uh, what else we got? Uh, okay. This is there's just people still piling in on the other side. Uh, let me go back over here in the chat. Don't really see anything in specific other than just uh, comments on a great show. They're enjoying the topics, conversation. Uh, and again, if you don't have the book, I'm going to also show it up here for those watching the video. Uh, again, this is the book here, uh, the new book that we're talking about. And again, I know a lot of you who are familiar with Val Cadman, he's got many books out. This is one of many. This is his latest, though. And we've been talking about majority of our conversation tonight has been about his new book. Um, I'm about halfway through it, uh, but I keep cheating and jumping around and going to the back because I can't wait to kind of get to the back part. But I mean, you got to take it in. It's 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 a lot of stuff in there. Um, just I mean, you, you you get drawn in when you start reading it. And I think and as I as I told you about and uh, sent you a message, I think it's a good. I think it's so diverse that anybody on this path can utilize it, regardless of what particular system you might be, you know, right. into. You know, it's 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 a it's a actually can be applied on any paths. Um, yeah. All right. So the other thing I wanted to ask real quick, since we have a few minutes, and uh, we're gonna have to obviously get you back when you get it when you're when you're able to. Um, I didn't even hear some of the calls that got cut off. I lost 12 calls as I'm looking here that got disconnected and wow. didn't even hear what uh, Velvet had to say. Uh, uh, did she get cut off too? I yes. answered, but I don't know if she got cut off or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I would have kind of liked to have heard what she had to say. Uh, I know she posed a good question and I know you were talking about translation. So I just, I bring that up because I wanted to just backtrack to that real quick for a minute. Um, i mentioned earlier, and again, I'm not, and I always tell people this, I'm not, you know, quote unquote, a Hebrew scholar, but I think it's important that what you did in this book that other people should do. And I don't know, maybe you can recommend. I found the Ryrie, the Ryrie Blue online study Bible to be a helpful tool. Yeah. Uh, even, you know, where would you suggest somebody? Because I think where the confusion comes in and understanding these books, and it's, been my opinion for many years. Uh, what's a good place for somebody to start to understand some of the, you know, the etymology of the words, the Hebrew translations, to maybe somebody that doesn't obviously have the Hebrew background? Uh, that's a great question. I would say that it depends. Are you okay? Okay, I heard like a bunch of stuff going on. Yeah, I heard a bunch of those um, too. I yeah, I heard it too. And I'm telling you, these spirits do not want this information <laughs> out today. So, <laughs> so the thing and is you notice that, that's how we go into that part. Something in relation to this, something goes I know, wrong. Because go they get don't it want out. that shit out there, man. I mean, because it's like this is going to empower people to learn more, you know. So the thing is, is that I, the first thing you want to do. Um, if you, and this is both for the Old and New Testament, but because we're doing the Old Testament mostly in this book, um, you want to find yourself an interlinear Bible, okay? Because a lot of this stuff starts, you know, obviously from the Old Testament. Um, an interlinear Bible 
um, English, uh, Hebrew, the good thing about that, uh, with, with, with transliteration. <laughs> wow, what the hell's going on? I don't know what the fuck's going on. Man, that was crazy. Yo, that was mad some, crazy. Some super, there's some supernatural shit going on here. <laughs> they don't want you to know because the thing is that this stuff, when you grasp it, it's so powerful. That's why, you know, I'm telling you. So what what you want to do is an interlinear Bible, English, Hebrew, with okay. transliteration. And you can okay. find that online. You could just put, it, just put in as a search term, English, Hebrew, interlinear transliteration. And what will happen is you'll find the English Hebrew, and then they'll show you, um, you know, the, the way the Hebrew is pronounced. Okay. And then from there, you can then do like word studies. You can do a search called, you know, Hebrew word studies. There's a program called Logos. It's L-O-G-O-S. Yes. Com. Yes, and I'm familiar with that one. Yeah, they have also, you know, programs that you can use and download and um, that will, can help you with that. Um, in the end, um, you'll, you, you can do word studies, but, you know, the grammar is also important because sometimes you'll look at something and be like, well, you know, what does that mean? Especially with the Greek. I mean, if you're going to do like New Testament studies, the Greek is so much more complicated than the Hebrew. I mean, it sounds like it wouldn't be. But it is um, the 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 grammar and the the accent and the the breathing marks. I mean, it's so much more complicated in Greek. It's actually I would recommend you learning Hebrew first, because <laughs> uh, okay. Greek is so much more complicated. Um, but interlinear is the way. The Um, that's the first place to start. And then from there, you can work on. There's, there's a, um, a website called Biblos. It's B-I-B-L-O-S dot com, I believe it is. And that could help you too, where it'll take the sentence or a verse and break it down into the Hebrew or into the Greek, whatever you're, you're, you're studying. And that can right. help you too. Um, you know, I wish I had that when I first started. Uh, now I don't, you know, I don't need it as much, but I wish when I first studied this that I had that because otherwise I spent a fortune on all those things. And now it's like, you know, click of a mouse. So, you know, everyone can get to this point. It's just what you need to do is, you know, just study every day, you know, you know, uh, find passages that you like. You know, some people are like into certain passages. You know, some people like the the you know as Iron Maiden, right? You you have that the number of the beast, right? Let he who has understanding reckon the number of the beast. Some people like that verse. So what I recommend is go to an interlinear Bible, look up that verse, and see how it's pronounced in Greek. You know, and, you know, and, and, and that'll open it up for you, you know, where you'll be like, oh, right. that's so, you know, hexagente, you know, you'll, you'll open it up, you know. And so everything is online now. So there's no, 
reason why people can't learn this stuff. You know, it's right there now. This isn't the 80s and 90s when I studied this where I had to pay and it was a lot of fucking money, you know. So now it's all free, pretty much, almost free. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, with all with all these uh, platforms and, you know, the Internet, I mean, back then you didn't have access to all this information, you know, you know, now we do. But that's a good point, because, you know, I always tell people one thing I'm always telling people, man, being on this path and any other path is work. And you got to really put work in. You got to put the time. Yeah. That's weird. Is that someone on purpose or is that no, I just like, <laughs> oh, no, I, I can't even see where it's coming from. That's that's. <laughs> Well, that's funny. Because I can't see where it's coming from either. Someone just texted me. They said, your spirit be fucking shit up. <laughs> I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to find it, but the other ones I found. Jesus. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like from the exorcist. We're going to be like, in the name of I'm trying to find it. That is so Secondary funny. bitches, they gross targets and cocks. What? Secondary bitches. Secondary thick. Secondary thick girls and bitches and shits and shits and bitches and things and shocks and dick. And bitch and fucking I don't know. Sizzling cock. Something's going on. Okay, there we go. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the hell that was. I couldn't even figure yeah, out where I, it was coming I'm, from. I'm getting, I'm getting messages right now. There, one, one person said, your spirits be fucking shit up. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this other one, hold on. Uh, let me get this one. It says, disconnect all audio it's something intentional so someone so there's 
clearly people are calling to try to sabotage this call. Yes, yeah, that's what happening. I got too, because I went through, I went through um, to see who was on the line and I just went to blocking. I just went to blocking because someone seemed like someone was in um, trying to come in up under my name or have a name similar to my name, like it's me to be unmuted and it wasn't me. And I blocked that person. So I just went through, just went to blocking. Um, and that seems yeah, to resolve well, the issue. Yeah, people are like texting me now. They're saying that it's probably trolls or something like that. Well, yeah, because I have a lot of people that don't like me, you know, that they don't want my stuff out there because, you know, it challenges them, even though that's not my intention. It's never my intention to challenge them. But they're like, oh, well, he makes us look, wow, well, like we don't know what we're talking about. And, and, and that's not my, again, that's not my, my intention. But clearly there are people who want to take it down. But I'm getting texts like left and right right now. They're saying <laughs> you know, people are trolling, trolling, trolling. And um, that's probably what's happening. You know, I just got yeah. text now. Oh, my God, what the hell is going on here? So, there we go. <laughs> See what I mean? Uh, right, I just figured out where that one was coming from. That's crazy. I just muted one too. That's that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's we the whole thing. That's they what have they, to. And that's what they want. They 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 don't want this information out there. They they want. You know who you know who it could be. Um, there's a group out there. I'm not going to say their name, but yeah, no, there that you probably already know about. That they don't like anyone. Anyone who doesn't uh, adhere to them, they don't. You know, they they treat them like crap. They they sabotage their stuff. They they do all sorts of stuff. And it's you know it's it's a group. It's a very specific group out there and uh i told them that i didn't want to belong to their group because there was too much drama there and but apparently they they sabotage everyone it's, this is not just me they would probably do this to anyone else so it's not just mm-hmm. me. Right. you know what i mean so there is a group out there you know that that is now trolling everyone um everywhere and uh it's unfortunate because i never had any beef with them i you know i don't know anything about them you know and and they had beef with me i don't know why but that's because i didn't i guess i didn't join their group so you know whatever it right. is. Well, well, hey, point is not going to stop doing what we do anyway regardless it's kind of funny exactly. yeah, no. childish but uh yeah well I mean, if there's anything else you want to add, but I don't know, we 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 pretty much at the ten o'clock hour. I mean, if, if feel free to no, share whatever. It, no, this was great. I mean, I got a lot of information out there, and if you guys need me back on, you know, maybe well, if there's a way to uh, get those uh, callers under control, <laughs> whoever they are. Okay. Uh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, but I actually I actually know who that is and I'm gonna handle that. I, I know who that is because they, they just fucked up with me. And I'm uh don't worry, I'm gonna address that. I know where one of them is coming from. They just fucked up because they don't know who they're fucking with. But they'll find out. Yeah, they they're will. gonna find out. Yeah, they're gonna find I out. Will. I know 
and they just hung up when I, and they just hung up when I said that. But I'm gonna tell you this: if you're listening, you don't want to fuck with me. Trust me, I handle things a different way. So I'm gonna put that out there. I know who it is. They just fucked up. Okay, and I'm gonna put it out there and hear me well. You just fucked up big time. Okay, but uh, get yeah. him. We um yeah. no, we'll definitely get you back on. Uh, most definitely, but we got to get you back on. I know you're very busy. I'll stay in. I'll definitely stay in contact with you. Um, right. I'll shoot you a message whenever when the next time you got some time to come on. Uh, and yeah, and I do have a method the way we can block the interference. I'm gonna have you call in on the other line where nobody can really interfere with that. So we'll okay. we'll, we'll do that instead of having you come in through the talk shoe line. I'm gonna give you the direct number and. They won't. Nobody will be able to interfere with it. We won't even. We won't even have that line up and running, and there they won't be All any right. interference. All right. All right. Yeah. Hey, right. No, I most definitely appreciate it. Uh, it's it's great when we do get to have you on, and uh, I'll, I'll contact you in a little bit, and you throw some dates on me that work for you, and then uh, you know, we'll go from there. All right. Great. Thank you for having me. It was a great show, actually. No, thank you for coming. Appreciate. We appreciate it. you. We appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Talk to you later. Take care. Right. Have a good night. Bye. All right, we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna um, end this here, but I'm gonna be stay on YouTube for a minute. So go over to YouTube, okay? So I'm gonna stop this recording. Uh, so everybody, if you if you are here, um, just go over to the YouTube for a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna finish up a little bit here, uh, and then we'll go from there. All right. So I'm gonna shut this down, and YouTube is still.